Well, welcome men to the Noble Man Podcast. This is episode number 22, and our topic for today is the Noble Man Prioritizes Relationships. I'm super excited to have Pastor Leroy Hill with us. He is from the historic Ebenezer Baptist Church in Portsmouth, and I have visited him in this church, had an opportunity to stand with him in the sanctuary and hear the story of this church. And so, Pastor, welcome. Uh, would you tell us a little bit about your story, your ministry, but tell us a little bit about the Ebenezer Baptist Church as well, so that we get a get a sense of where you're ministering and what you're doing. All right. Well, thank you, uh, Brother Mike. I appreciate the opportunity to be with you in the Noble Warriors ministry, and we thank God uh, for you and what you all are doing, and uh, thank you for this opportunity. Uh, first of all, Ebenezer Baptist Church uh, started uh, January 1, 1865, uh, with seven uh, people, and uh, has been going ever since then. And it's the uh, the oldest African-American Baptist church downtown the Portsmouth area. And it is, it is unique. Yeah. Uh, it has, it, it has gone through its ups and downs, of course, like many churches. And uh, <clears throat> it is uniquely located on a major thoroughfare uh, uh, in the city. If you, Effingham street turns into 17. Yeah. Uh, and you can go 17 North and you can go 17 South. And you can go a long way. <laughs> You can go a long way. You can go a long way. In fact, as far as 17 South will take you and 17 North will take you. And <laughs> we go. We we can leave my church and stay on 17 and go to the go up to uh, DC. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I told somebody that from my home back in Oklahoma. You know, I said we're in a unique location, uh, and I got some more historical information about that. But you don't want to hear that stuff. But <laughs> um, the church is 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 had. I'm the 10th pastor there. I'm the 10th yeah. pastor. And uh, my predecessors, two other predecessors, one was there 42 years and his successor was there 25 years. And so that's 62 years that they were had two pastors. And uh, we're mega church in the early uh, 30, 40s and 50s. They had at that time uh, 11, 12 and as high as 1800 members. Wow. And so they did go through a decline. They We blessed and we increased uh, while we were there. But uh, ministry change and ministry focus. Yeah. Uh, then, of course, the technology piece hit. And then somewhere in the in the latter uh, part of 20, the first the first uh, decade of 2000, we begin to see this decline as the millennials mm -hmm. uh, began to grow out of home and whatever. And then the, the the generation X began to migrate, uh, go to college and not return home, and it affected Ebenezer and many churches across the country, sure. as research shows us. And so we are uh, we are sustained by membership. We cut we whittled our role down because our role was saying, yeah. you know, seven hundred and eight hundred, and I'm like, I don't see that many people. <laughs> <laughs> so we did our role, and we based it on the people who were coming to church at least once a month and we're contributing. And so we have approximately 380 some odd uh, members. And so we, that's, that's, that's what we can reach and touch at any right. given time. Right. So, you know, we're, we're grateful to God for that, but they're faithful, they're loyal and they're sustaining the church. Yeah. All those names on the road, not participating. <laughs> that make us church. So the ones who keep in the church afloat, that's who we go with. There you we, go. We, we, 
you know, I tell them, go with the goer. So, and I got invited to be pastor in um, April 2005, officially started in June, uh, the fourth Sunday of June, June 26, 2005. And that was my first Sunday to take over and was officially uh, in installed in October, October the 23rd, 2005. And so we've been going strong ever since then. I'm a pastor's grandson. Um, and my grandfather pastored for 45 years, was a church planner. Right. Uh, during his ministry tenure, he planted uh, 16 churches. And we've, we've had 12 operative and active uh, at one given time. Um, and so I also grew up in a church plant on the sure. West Coast and the, the L.A. area. And then we moved uh, from L.A. back to Oklahoma, where we were at the headquarters church, if you will. We call it the mother church. Right. Accepted uh, my calling there. Um, began to preach and minister at 19. They are doing street ministry, et cetera. Evangelism is my passion, doing street. And uh, went off to college, did come back. Uh, after seminary, came back, and, and we uh, uh, reestablished. A church plant. Um, in fact, it was a Bible study, really. Yeah. And uh, we uh, took that church uh, and took it full time, planted that church. And then after uh, six and a half years, the Lord uh, uh, sent us in another direction. And there was another church that was historical. It had a split. It had eight members. And they mm. asked me what I considered leaving my church full time <laughs> to come. And, 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 and it's ironic. I had just finished reading Barner and his book on uh, churches, how to revitalize churches, right. uh, a comeback church, and a turnaround church, actually. And I went to help this church, replanted the church. If we're going to turn it around, we can't keep doing what you all have been doing. Right. And we took eight members, and we planted a new ministry. So I'm a church plant guy. Then the Lord, after seven years, sent me here uh, to the Hampton Roads area, Ebenezer Baptist Church. And um, so the church plant experience in me had to marry the traditional aspect. And right. That kind of difficult, but I've grown through that process. So I know now uh, from experience the needs of uh, church, traditional churches, by and large, most of the time, are not great evangelistic and discipling churches. They do, they have the, if you will, they have the capacity for it. Right. But they're, they're either more in traditional style ministry and and they may have a quote unquote evangelism department or the discipleship department. But they are they are just doing basic Bible study. Right. And they're one or two people are going out throughout the week and do what they call evangelism. But they didn't have a full fledged evangelism. And so long story short, we trained on that. We operated that. And then I led by example. I did some missionary tours yeah. to, to make sure we understood missionaries and it's not uh, global, it's local. I right. mean, it's not local, but global. And so we did that. We traveled as a missionary for three years and then we began to instill that. So that's kind of what we've done. My family grew up in church plant situations. So they understood what I was trying to do, my wife and my children, and they helped where they could. And and so that helped the church to get that initial uh, growth spurt when we came on the scene. And and then we started losing those young adults to 
college and yeah. careers and moving out of state. And then we began to have a lot of deaths. I told you before, we I've buried about two and a half churches, man. <laughs> <laughs> if the average church is between 75 to 100, I've buried about two and a half churches since I've been here. So you would think if they were all still living, we would be by numbers uh, uh, right at the mega church status. Yeah. If everybody was still here, but we're, we're we we've done that now. Many of them have started coming back by way of technology. Right. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Uh, and so we're doing well with that. And I think a couple of weeks ago we had a uh, hundred. I mean, uh, one thousand thirteen hundred viewers. So I said, wow. You know, that's awesome. You know, yeah. we hadn't had that many since I've been here. We couldn't <laughs> hold them all anyway yeah. in the church. So we thank God for that. But anyway, that's that's who I am. I've been a pastor uh, for 33 years. I've been in ministry for 37 years. And uh, most of my time has been uh, as an evangelist, church plant. And now with me being at a traditional church for 15 years, um, that almost level almost is leveling out yeah uh, so i'm kind of both and now so but we enjoying it my 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 passion and my retirement verse is one of your theme verses that kept, that's kind of what drew me to sure uh noble warriors uh second timothy two one and two uh but particularly verse two right and my thing is uh if you can't go three generations deep <clears throat> You haven't truly done discipleship, right? Uh, you've got to, you've got to go deep. You know the problem with the church is we three hundred miles uh, wide, yep, uh, one inch deep, yeah, you know? <laughs> and that's crazy. not healthy. And so, uh, so we globally, we all over the place, but we don't have. And then the Barna research tells us that radical discipleship globally is thirteen percent, and America's ten. Yeah, you know, so we've got to get better with that. We do. And and so that I'll just use that to to kind of kick us into this conversation, because you've worked now in the traditional church. You've done the church planning evangelism. And so our focus is on men and friendships, friendships with other men right. and engaging other guys. And it it strikes me. I mean, that verse uh, in in other places in First Timothy and in Titus, mm -hmm. yeah. Paul is instructing Timothy to invest in the right men, and right. to make sure that they were prepared to lead. And so, uh, one of the things that has to happen is this: is men have to be connected with each other, and and our culture right. moves toward this scenario where men are isolated and they live as islands. They don't want to be. Um, they can't be troubled with hanging with other guys. They can't be invested in a lot of other things. So how do we, how do how do you see this challenge in our culture of men being isolated, uh, affecting the church and its growth and and distribution? Yeah, um, that's that's a big piece, and so essentially, uh, from from its fundamentalist standpoint, the foundation of creation particularly human is the man. Yeah. And we, we, we want to encourage that men have a responsibility that holds, if you will, the family in balance, the community in balance, the church in balance. And, and so God made the man as the foundation. And now the man has this role and responsibility uh, to, to undergird, to, to hold up the German word, house band, house band, 
is where we get the word husband, husband. yeah, which is the band that holds the house together. And, and so with that being the case, a husband needs to grow and be encouraged, uh, first of all, by a pastor or a shepherd, yeah. but also need to have a, a journey with other husbands. Mm-hmm. Uh, or future husbands, depending on where they are in their relationship with Christ. Let me let me qualify that. Uh, husbands grow with husbands, fellowship with husbands, but at a certain point, we then have to begin to pour into other husbands. Right. So I need to be poured into. So when coming up, one of my ministries that we had uh, that we began to try to implement through the Fellowship of Christian Actors years ago. Yeah. Uh, it was called uh, Project uh, Project Andrew Project Timothy. So you evangelize, right, and then you disciple, and so uh, you know it was it was it was <laughs> you know we always got all these programs, and I I realized you just need to just stay with the Great Commission. There you but, go. <laughs> yeah, but but nevertheless, uh, uh, everybody, I said everybody needs Andrew as a partner, right? Because Andrew and John were together. Mm-hmm. When they and then they went and got their brothers, right? And so you need an Andrew, but every uh, uh, every Paul needs a Timothy, and every Timothy needs a Paul, right? So I kind of say that Andrew and Timothy and Pauls and Barnabas all all work together to develop men in totality. So that's kind of the the way I look at dealing with men because that's very very important. And so if I might just go ahead and tell you yeah. a little bit about me, yeah. I have, I have, um, I have various, uh, friends who are my, uh, partners. I have some guys who, before I really understood as a pastor, having, uh, uh, covenant relationships, I had accountability relationships that I learned about through the promise keepers ministry. Right. And so I adjusted uh, my, my, I had friendships, but then we had to get beyond just being buddies and chums, right? We were Christians and we knew what's what. And so what I began to do was start to let them have refrigerator rights. If you've heard, might be familiar with that term. No, what is refrigerator rights? So refrigerator rights is somebody who's your friend who could come to your house and they had the right to go into your refrigerator. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, and part of that is, is not only to have access for food and beverage, but to see what kind of food and beverage you actually right. have. It. Uh, and, and, and some people thought that might have been a little bit too legalistic. Well, uh, for those who were struggling, maybe with alcohol. Yeah. And, and, and so they may not have the hard liquor that's out in the open. Uh, but 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 you you can't keep you can't you can't you can't hide the beer from somebody right. because you don't have alcohol right you know if you're trying to get get unhooked if you're trying to get if you're trying to kick it so that kind of began I don't know who started that concept but I shared with some guys and so from that I developed my Jonathan and my Jonathan is as uh, we became dear friends. He joined our church and planted a church, and we helped him to plant his church. Our home church did, and we just kind of became buddies, travel buddies. He and my grandfather and I would take road trips together to do ministry. So he became my Jonathan or my David, either way, how you want to look at that. Right. And so should anything happen to me, he knows what to do. He knows who to call. He knows how to deal with the wife. The wife knows that part. Uh, and should something happen to him, you know, same thing. 
then it expanded to uh, the guy who taught me and mentored me uh, in FCA. Uh, he was my best man at my wedding with my brother. Uh, and he's he's like a big brother. He has the right to ask me anything, right. any accountability questions. You know, how things going with the wife, how things, as the Holy Spirit tells him to call me and get in my grill, he does that. And so I have three of those. Yeah. So I have the refrigerator rights, three refrigerator rights people, and one who knows what to do in case something happens to me, others who have the right to confront me, to challenge me, and then to encourage me. Yeah. And that that's the first set. Then I have the, the second set, which are all pastors. And they are what I call covenant brothers in the area. Now, these guys don't live by me. These are my guys that I knew while I was in Oklahoma. But these are eternal, perpetual, lifelong right. Right. guys. Then I have the guys that are in my area, pastors uh, in different denominations. Sure. Uh, uh, and we uh, we serve uh, in the Hampton Roads area. And we are covenant brothers. One uh, uh, set helped me through my dissertation where my, one of my assignments was to get people to be accountable to my writings, my critiques, critique my stuff. We meet once a week for breakfast every Friday, uh, unless something else happens. We meet, uh, COVID messed that up a little sure. bit, but we do some, we're able to do some patio breakfasts now. Right. Uh, and we choose a place that has been vetted. Uh, you know, we've gone to see if they're really social distancing. We've called to see if they had patio operating. We vetted them, so yeah. we only go to this one place, and we go to the patio, and we're we're about eight feet apart from the table. But anyway, <laughs> we don't do a whole lot of talking when we eat. But nevertheless, we meet there, and we we go deep into uh, we talk about scripture first, family, um, environment, culture, Christ, and culture. Uh, because a lot of my writing uh, for my first dissertation was evangelizing men right. and equipping the men to restore them back to the church. Too many men are marginalized. So we talked about strategies for that and how to strategize and reach black men yeah. uh, with black pastors reaching black men. And then that same pattern was to reach men in general. Uh, we modeled that several models, but we, we took the thematic verse uh, that Paul gave us. Uh, that is uh, to the Jew first and then also to the Greek, understanding that I have a media culture. Right. And then I have the extended culture. Right. And then uh, then we have the multicultural, multiracial. So we kind of dealt with that. And then from there, uh, these guys are with me uh, and no more than three. Uh, we just keep it as small as we can. Sure. <clears throat> then uh, my last group, which is the covenant pastors. I saw the six guys in Hampton Roads. These are my ride and die guy. We play golf together. We travel together. Our wives, we go to vacations together. Yeah. We talk about everything and anything from ch wives, children, ministry, hopes, aspirations, dreams, uh, our hurts and our pains. So, so I have these three different groups and everybody knows that they're in one of those. Right. So I have, I have three bubbles of threes. You see? Yeah. So I have, I have, I have nine as well. Um, I'm in every one. So that's three times three minus three. So that's six. I have six guys. Yeah. No, one, two. Yeah. I have six guys in three specific areas of my life and I can't get away. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there's a so richness that, to that. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, so yeah. often we, we, we get frustrated and 
we say, I, God, where are you? And man, the, right. God sometimes shows up in the presence of these men who know us well. Now, right. now, part of the challenge is it sounds like you have invested time and energy yeah. and um, you've been willing to let your guard down. I mean, the, the whole refrigerator thing is is a little comical, but that is symbolic of letting someone come into a closed place in my life. Yeah. And, right. and see me for who I am. And that's part of this whole idea. A lot of guys say, I would love to have a friend, but they don't want to um, expose themselves in a way that, 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 you know, someone might think ill of them or something. But man, that's, that's what we got to do is we got to let our guard down and take the masks off, so to speak, and, and let people know who we really are, because then they can, they can challenge us, they can encourage us, it's not all negative. It's, it becomes very positive. And so how, how do you facilitate that process? Because you don't go from zero to 100 miles an hour in this. It's, right. a, it's a journey. What does it look like to get to that healthy friend companion level? So um, not trying to sound so simplistic, but my philosophy in life is simplify, simplify, simplify. So let me, just, let me just do it this way. It start with prayer and yeah. humility uh, and asking, just like Jesus went up on the mountain and prayed for the, his 12 his disciples. disciples who yeah. You got to pray for the right fit um, because I'm one of my friends in this COVID said, you got to watch your bubble. I didn't know I was already, I had my bubbles already. And, and so I didn't, I don't do anything outside of my bubble. Right. And those guys don't do anything outside of that bubble. So, if they do, they quarantine from us. So my point is, you've got to have bubbles where you are known and they know you and the family trusts you. In fact, the way God did this thing because of my one of my first bubbles, let me just show you how, how it works for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the guy that's one of the first guys that welcomed me into the area when I began to pastor here, greeted me and somehow our friendship developed and my son would go visit his church, whatever, became friends with some of his ministers. Yeah. One of his, one of my buddy's sons in the ministry became a pastor. My son became his musician some years later. Right. And so as he grew in that, now one of my accountability covenant brothers, uh, my son was moved, you know, Lord was shifting him. And through a revival with one of my breakfast buddies, my son became uh, uh, a revival musician person at for that church. Sure. And happened to be doing the week that I'm doing revival. <laughs> I had nothing to do with that. Had not a thing to do with that. But my son felt comfortable around his church and his musicians developed his relationship. And they kind of mentored him in music. Right. And I saw my son at a revival plant. Listen. I didn't know my son can play that well. So I was shocked. <laughs> you were ready to preach after you heard him play, though, so weren't I, you? Yeah, I did. But I texted my wife and told her my son was playing. And my wife texted back and said, which son? We only got one. <laughs> <laughs> and so she came the next night and, and recorded uh, my son's playing. So anyway, he grew from there. And now he is a musician uh, full time with one of my covenant brothers we travel together do all of that yeah. so my son has been blessed by each of my bubbles you understand where i'm going yeah. with that yeah and and so that's important so that's kind of how it starts slowly with prayer 
finding people with the right fit. Once you do that, uh, now I got to say, we tried to have one or two other guys come in. They didn't really fit. Right. We didn't tell them to leave, but just so happened they just fell off. And we, you know, we thank God for that. Nothing wrong with the person. If it just, just wasn't the right. Well, fit. it changes the chemistry. Yeah. And, right. and, right. and so you, I, I think this is a delicate uh, yeah. recipe. And, and so yeah. we have to be careful. I, I, you know, you were probably like me. I was having a conversation with another pastor yesterday and he was saying, hey, part of what my struggle is right now is I'm watching people that are not connected to the church because because right. of COVID. They were showing up. I haven't seen them in months. And so his heart is aching for them. And and so we talked a little bit further and he said, um, you know, I, part of the challenge is I've got all of these folks who are, are I end up with people who want to me to be their best friend. They want me to be their friend. And as a pastor, you can't be the entire church's best friend. You've got to have your bubble, your word of, of close right. confidence and contacts, and then create mechanisms to help other guys find their bubble, find their connections and their relationships so that they can build that friendship. And part of what you have to offer them is the testimony of how you've seen this bless not just you, but now your family, your son. And so we need to hear those testimonies and we need to encourage yeah. other guys to find those right people. So how do we, um, your testimony is powerful, but how do you encourage other guys to get started yeah. on that journey? I mean, prayer is part of it. And then yeah. how do you shop around? Do you, I, how do you, how do you make those connections? Okay. And my friends always get on me. They call me the biblical theologian because I, as you know, as best I try, I can't. Rem I cannot forget uh, one of my professors in seminary, uh, Jack Gordon, Jack Gorman. Uh, he had that accent. I don't know if it was Irish or it was uh, it was Australian, but he had this accent. And he he said that whatever we do, we truly must let the word live through us. Yeah. And then another mentor said to me, I interviewed him several years ago. He said, I used to read the Bible through each year, but now I let the Bible read me through every day. Right. And so those type of things have stirred me. So having said that, I, 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 uh, I practice biblical principles for selection. Jesus yeah. selected people. Yeah. Uh, that was one of his things. He, he, he selected people. And then after he selected people, he prayed, he selected, then he had, he allowed them to associate. Yeah. So it begins. You got to begin a process of association. How much am I going to associate with them, or will they let me associate with them right. based on the kind of questions and the fellowship? But then after the association, now comes this point of being consecrated. Do we share pulpits together? We do we share a worship experience? Am I strong enough to allow them to come preach and shepherd the part, part, help me to shepherd the flock? Speak to into the body, speak into me yeah. and, and, and receive that. Um, and so those things happen. And so I told my son, anybody you see me with and, and be open and transparent with, they could be considered your friend or your ally or your confidant. If you can't talk to me, whoever you see me with, you feel free to choose them. I'd rather you choose a pastor with experience if you can't talk to your dad right. until until you find that niche for your own life. And so having said that, it was just kind of uh, prayerful selection and then 
seeing if we can associate together. And then after that, how can we be consecrated, set apart for this? Yeah. I, I need you to sharpen me and you allow me to sharpen you. And so one guy, he's just practical. God gives him an anointing. He can see stuff from the scripture that's so practical. Sometimes we got to reel him in and say, you're too practical right. because we missed something. He receives that. Another one is more of the scholar. Uh, he's he's the youngest in the ministry. And so he's still kind of relying on that academia, but he's listening to the practical. And then, of course, I'm older than both of these guys, which is amazing. I'm like <laughs> the big brother and the guy. But they're solid, strong guys. God has allowed me to begin to pour in right. and to pour down. Uh, I still got the guys who are older than me. Right. My other group are older than me. And now these guys are, are my transitional retirement where we're pouring down. And so my wife and I are the, the, the patriarch maker of this covenant group. So, but it took time to get there. I woke up one morning and realized that I'm that guy you should talk about. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, man, I got to start shifting and delegating, whatever. So uh, I asked God, who, who can I do this with? Yeah. And uh, a new pastor moved into the area and I extended uh, the open arms to him and say, hey man, I met him in a conference in Tampa, Florida. And uh, he got a church in the uh, in the area, and uh, we I took him to lunch uh, at a at a, a a very prestigious place, and you know he he kind of like smoking me over, looking at me and everything, and then we just kind of kicked it from there, right. and then we brought our wives into it, and then I went to watch him minister at his church, and and then I he he joined my evangelism team. I'm the national director or right. chairman for evangelism. And I had him on my uh, team and he's taught and preached for us there on the national level. And just, I said, okay, he's, he's a lot. Well, then his, one of his best friends, he said, can I bring him to the table? We did. And I, he loved golf. I said, well, okay, now I'm a golfer. He's a golfer. Uh, his background was similar to mine, growing up in a gang infested neighborhood, being yeah. tempted, being tried, drugs and all of that. Uh, God brought him through great uh, testimony. And here's the kick with him. He's the first pastor I know that's is an, an African-American who's darker than I am. And he pastored an all-white congregation, you know. So, wow. Yeah, he pastored, I mean, an absolutely, totally all-white congregation. Now, he's heard it all. He's been called bad names yeah. while being the pastor, uh, but he endured it. And then the Lord moved him here. And it's kind of like, I have what I've been desiring, Right. Uh, this multicultural, multiracial, and 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 so now we have this experience. So that God kind of helped that happen. I right. prayed and God sent people. And then I said, okay, selection, association, consecration. Then from there, demonstration. Can we demonstrate this? And so our model is, okay, uh, no more than four, guys. You know, right. three is great, but no more than four because the power of two or three. Right. And so at any time, if two of us can be together, great. If all three of us can be together, fantastic. That's kind of, I use the biblical yeah. models and stuff like sure. that. So people might say, you know, oh, yeah, but I'm just telling you what I know from my experience, it works. And when I've been down or if I lost somebody key, they've called, they've been there. When they've lost somebody key in their membership, we've gone to be there, try to be at the eulogies or whatever. They have that covenant friendship, that covenant fellowship, celebrating major birthdays. I mean, you know, last year, uh, December, uh, before COVID came, actually COVID was around, we just didn't know, but right. we were down in Cancun, the six of us, three couples, just having a blast. Never will forget that we played golf there. Never will forget that. 
And then so we play golf about once, maybe twice a week, nine holes if we can. Yeah. Uh, just to keep that thing going. And so so that's kind of how it has happened. Um, and God has been good with that. And the other ones, okay, of course, association over breakfast, over yeah. food, food. Men and food work well. You Amen. Know? <laughs> Especially, well, so bacon. Anyway, bacon but bacon story, gets us in trouble much, sometimes. But, so <laughs> yeah, I'm talking too much. Oh, I'm no, done. you're I, good. I it it is. And I, and I tell you, so I hear selection, is, the, the biblical concept of selection. I think way too many of us just go casting out seeds and throwing them around everywhere. But right, that's, right. you see Moses and Jesus and, and all yeah. through the Bible, you see yeah. selection is the method that God uses to tap men. And, right. and and we need to model that in our selection of, of friends. And, and that's, that's right. powered by prayer. The other thing that I continue to hear is humility right. uh, in this. I, I continue to hear that it takes time. We have right. to invest time in this. And there's some intentionality to it. I mean, you can't, yes. you can't just want a friend and, and it's going to happen to you. You have to invest some time and energy and and that comes into what you just was talking we're talking about, and that's being present in the life of someone else at their critical times. Because I, right. I I think we end up sometimes I I see guys who want everything to flow in their direction, but they forget that I I need to go and be present in this guy's life when his hardship comes when his right. when he's struggling and suffering, and so we need to. We need to, I mean, it's cliche. I, I, I'm, I'm almost embarrassed to say it, but if you're going to, if you're going to have a friend, you got to learn to be a friend and that's, that's, right. Absolutely. that's a piece of it. And I, we see Jesus modeling that in mm -hmm. his care for his disciples, his presence in their lives. Um, and we see that multiple times in the Bible, this, this friendship and the power of it. Um, so, so we have to go for that. Now, let me, let me, you've mentioned Barna a couple of times, and there's some research that just came out about um, how men who responded said that be, when they, men who have friends in their lives are more satisfied with their marriages, they're more satisfied mm. as a father, they're more satisfied in multiple areas of their lives because they have friends. And that, I, I'm not sure that that adds up sometimes. So talk about how is your marriage stronger because you've got these men in your life? How is your fathering better because you've got these men in your life? How, how does that work? Well, <clears throat> so in transparency, uh, earlier on, it wasn't before I got these bubbles. Like I had my first bubbles. We did well because the kids were younger. Yeah. And, and we were in the same community. And so we were stronger then as we were growing ourselves. Uh, and that was helpful because uh, my wife, used, my Jonathan's wife, was the beautician to my wife. Right. So you see, it was always relationship. And I can't stress that anymore. Relationship is critical if you're going to have a Jonathan. Now, David and Jonathan didn't last that long, but they, right. they, they fell in love so fast that it's a great model. So you've got to spend that time. But that relationship, and then we made some covenant words yeah. with each other. So that helped me then because their their children were older than our children. And so when they began to do certain things that I didn't understand, I can talk with him. Right. And he 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 had refrigerated rights. He would say, well, quite frankly, you doing too much. You know, <laughs> right. you you're gifted. You know, you you smart. In fact, he said, you know, he didn't go to seminary, but he's a trained man. He said, but 
you're going to be my free seminary. Whenever I need to ask you the hard stuff, the Greek, the Hebrew stuff, right. I'm expecting you to give me some time and let's talk about it. Right. And I've done that. Yeah. You know, at first, at first I kind of, I was younger than I felt, man, that's kind of like being used or something. Yeah. Right. But, 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 you know, he poured into me, uh, when my, my marriage was on the rocks. In fact, my wife and I had separated early on. He gave me his car, his wow. truck, actually, a Datsun B210. You don't remember? That's old. <laughs> I do. Truck. I remember the a Datsun B210. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I used that. And and, and he was a part, helped me through our Promise Keepers moment. And, and we reconciled. He was yeah. a part of it. He didn't leave me. He was there. And then uh, the friendship just, you know, he was a part of the salvaging. He and my father. Yeah. Uh, helped with the salvaging of my marriage. And so that's 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 what I mean. So he helped me with that and and our friends. So that was part eight. When I came here, my kids were in their teens and I didn't really connect. I had to spend some time. So now by the time I got these guys, my kids were in college. Well, one guy was able to help me with that. Right. And he was helping me with my doctorate. And so he helped me process through the empty nest syndrome. The other guys yeah. had empty nests. So they began to tell me what empty nest syndrome looked like, because if I didn't understand it, and you know, wives go through physical changes and exactly. uh, you know the season of changes. And so they they helped me with that. I wouldn't have been ready for that. In fact, right. one of us wouldn't be living today if I had <laughs> <laughs> so 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 yeah. And they helped me with that because we were able to candidly talk about that. So now I'm in this third bubble, and I still have my other bubbles, but this third bubble I'm more proactive in because right. I'm pouring it. And guess what's happened? They, one guy has a has a twenty year old, but he also has a three year old. And so guess who guess who is now getting able to pour in? Yeah. And so, but it still helps me because my wife is able to do that with them. Yep. They are professional women, and they all speak to each other. They help each other. So we have our our niches, our roles. They have more experience in some things than I do. And as the older guy of the group, I have to humble myself and listen yeah. and say, you're not going to learn from this. This makes sense. Right. And at the same time, they see me as the big brother, older brother. But now both of them are bigger than I am size. So I got the, the big little brother, the big middle <laughs> brother, and then the big baby brother. Yeah. <laughs> They're all bigger than I <laughs> I hear you. So, but I, I got them by age and everything and wisdom. But uh, not, not. I mean, we all, we are Christian yeah. men. but And we have fun. We, we crack jokes. We we do all of it, man. And so so that's kind of what helps me. And so I look forward to that. And here's what happened. His see, they broke me of something. I I have my phone, but I sometimes don't have it on. I don't have it, you know, I got it. Right. And we have this group text. And if one guy hits the text, the the rule is you gotta respond within 30 to 40 minutes, or they're gonna hit you back. Right. So so it's like, okay, guys. Uh, it's been 20 minutes. I haven't heard from anybody. <clears throat> and so we might hear the second one. Right. And so we, we'll come back and say, hey, man, I was doing this. But you have no excuse for not responding. Right. And they'll, they'll call you out on it. You know, why didn't you have your phone? I yeah. mean, why you uh, oh, let us know. Texas, hey, y'all, I'm going offline for a while. You know, let us know. We've got to communicate. And so that is, you know, see, I that has broken me up. I, you know, man, I have my phone off and forget or do yeah. this type of thing. My wife said, you know, you had, you know, you've gone two or three hours. I don't know where you are. Yeah. So they helped me with that. You see what I'm saying? Right. So uh, this accountability and yet covenant, like, hey, guys, you know, brother said, man, I'm, I'm, I need to go to lunch. I need a partner. What's happening? None of us responded. He said, man, I had to do lunch by myself. 
And I was like, man, I was hungry too. I wish I had gotten that. So <laughs> you understand that, yeah. it, that I, I'm not used to that. But I said, you know, if I'm going to be covenant, and that's what I agreed that, then I got to own up to that. Right. And then my wife, my wife said, you always on your phone. I said, babe, is that you just don't understand. It's a man thing. It's a man thing. And then I've told us a covenant thing. She said, oh, now she understands. If I'm on, why are you on the phone? I just turn around and say, I'm texting so-and-so. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of, so So I say that to say, if you know, it, it, it might not fit everybody. Right. But it's helpful to me. And it's helped me as a father, as a pastor, as a, as a mentor, and as a big brother. And just as a as a well-rounded, global-minded pastor, because the way I see doing ministry globally, I I would recommend two books by these brothers. One is yeah. Canoeing the Mountains. Yeah. Oh man, it's an awesome book. And 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 so it's, it's it's helped me personally as pastor. And then I have to look at reinventing myself because sometimes you outgrow your context right. culturally and socially. And, and so I I was like, hey, God made me this way. Y'all accept me? No, you just can't do that. <laughs> you know, because yeah. the times and the culture changes. I can use the still message. Right. I can still use the still message. But and so I'm just saying, so you have to be pliable. You have to be flexible. You stay consistent to your convictions. Don't right. compromise your convictions. Things that you, you know, uh, I think it was, uh, I don't, it wasn't Augustine, but somebody said, uh, I can't remember who it was, but in, in essentials, all right, there's no compromise. Right. All right. In uh, diversity, I mean, in non-essentials, diversity, but in all things, charity. Right. And yep. So, I've heard that. So, and and the essentials, hey, no compromise. Yep. Me, no compromise. Unity. In the non-essentials, diversity, flexibility, but in all things, whatever it is, is charity or love. Right. And so that that you know. Uh, sticks with me. And so I've had to learn that. Yeah. Uh, the Sarivi prayer even comes to mind. A lot of people know that. So I'm just saying, use everything God has given to you and test it, test the metal to see if these things, I mean, you, Mike, I mean, you know, I told you, Mike, you came and I said, okay, I see Mike. I, I'm sensing his heart, <laughs> but I need to make a phone call. <laughs> I know. I was wondering when that was going to come up. <laughs> yeah. And I did. So yeah, I need to make a phone call and I called and I, my friend who knows just about everybody's men's ministry, I call Dr. <laughs> Kerry Casey. Dr. Kerry Casey is one of my covenant brothers yeah. uh, and my mentor who helped me. And so he said, yeah, I know Mike. Yeah, yeah, I know Mike. And, and if Kerry said he's okay, Mike's my guy. And next thing I know, we, we down in Dallas looking at some other, you understand? Yeah. So that's the reality of doing this. It's not, it's not about color. It's not about ethnicity. It's not about race and all of that. It's about we are brothers in Christ. If Mike's a son of God, I'm a son of God, we are brothers. The problem is how much can we associate? See, I, I chose to select Mike and Mike selected me. Now, how much can we associate and we really mean this thing? Yeah. I mean, we had a great Williamsburg lunch. I remember yeah. that. Yeah, day. yeah, yeah, we did. <laughs> I love watch it. the people look at us. Watch the, they look at us as we having a ball, right? Amen. Yeah. And and that's, you know, so it's the kingdom that gets me so excited. Yeah. It's so much yeah. bigger than most people are willing to see and 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 conceive of. And I think... You know, we have a responsibility to take what God's given us and invest it in other people, regardless yeah. of where they are, who they are. And and I think sometimes we've got to get over ourselves and our yes. own pride 
and, and prejudice, quite honestly, to do that. And our own inhibitions, you know, one of the things that I, I, I think about in this whole friendship thing, there's so many guys who say, hey, I can't, I can't let people know about this part of my life or I've made so many mistakes. Nobody's interested in in being a friend with me or, or I, I can't invest in anyone. Man, God uses every bit of every yeah. piece of our stories for his glory if we are willing to present it to him as an offering so that he can use it. And 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 Satan seeks to defeat that by holding right. us too close, uh, isolating us, keeping us from connecting with other folks. Um, and, and so Christ wants us. I mean, his prayer in John 17 was that the unity Absolutely. of the body would be the hallmark of the Christian church and, and, and his people. And so we've got some work to do. And some of that happens in these small cells or bubbles that you're talking about. We begin, you know, I, I'm hopeful I don't know how this is ultimately going to play out, but man, we need to have some friends that don't look like us and don't Absolutely. have the same stories that we do. And it, it, we, we learn from each other and we grow from each other and we have perspective from someone else. Man, my, my experience is what it is. So I don't understand every cultural situation I get into. And I need some help from some brothers who've got a different cultural experience to help That's me. Right. Um, but I've got to be willing to submit to that and learn from them and hear in humility the things that that God's shaping me on. I, you know, I go to that uh, Proverbs twenty seven seventeen is iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another, and and we need to be around men who are going to make us sharper, not duller. Um, and and there are plenty of people out there that will dull us if we're not careful. And and right. we'll be use, we'll be useless in the kingdom the more we hang around those folks. So um, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. You see, and you're right on point. Uh, one of those guys that I was saying he still didn't really have a good fit. We tried it yeah. in another where but we're still all good friends. Yeah, we still do breakfast. Uh, he pastors at Ingleside Baptist Church. Great guy, great heart. Uh, God is using him in supernatural way. He does missionary work. Uh, all over. He grew up as a, a son of a missionary who were missionaries in South Africa. And so we got connected uh, through my research while I was in seminary uh, working on my doctorate degree. And we got connected by another uh, friend of mine who uh, we all uh, just worked together through ministry here in the Hampton Roads area. And uh, uh, they they have a boat. They do, they do boat stuff, fishing. I'm like, man, you know, y'all everything that uh that i thought i'd never be a part of y'all y'all have it so we <laughs> we do that and, and and he'll he'll send something in the spirit about me he'll call me and i'll receive we'll go to breakfast we'll do lunch he invite me to uh, a new uh ministry opportunity and, and they do street witnessing and yeah and power dynamics and all of that and my other friend um uh, you know because of these links although they didn't stay in the bubble but they're still on the fringe if yeah, you will they're yeah. still a part of my life and 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 I meet them in other settings and and so I have uh Asian uh people I know about well we haven't clicked yet but that possibility is there because they know this guy that knows me and right because of me and they're good friends I mean we met and I, I they're Asian I can't exactly what 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 part of Asia but they're Asian and we met and we clicked yeah I mean you know and I got business cards and I know where that church is and they know where mine is and so and then Hispanic guys, 
you know, uh, on the Eastern shore. I mean, so it's there and we met, we met in, in circles and somehow God allowed it to click. That's but right. in that right time, when God wants me in their space or they're in my space, he works that out. That's right. And so, and so, uh, yeah, I, I don't, we don't hang out every week, but we, we do talk uh, at least once or twice a month. Sure. Uh, we, we, we look at each other's ministry page, what's going on and during the midst of COVID. And so uh, we, it's just, I'm telling you, it's taken some time for me to get to where I am. And I would say it is an evolving process to get all of my bubbles is over 30 years, but my last two bubbles took me about five good years yeah. uh, and, and maybe, well, about, I'm sorry, about seven good years. And so this last two that are really, I know the experience now. And so it's going to take time and I do, but let me say this to answer your question. Totally. I encourage it 110%. 110%. I encourage it. It's, you're going to be uncomfortable at yep. first. So you got to fight through it. Satan's going to get in your ear. Yeah. All right. And so it's okay. It's, 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 listen, it's okay to trust and verify. That's right. It's also okay to distrust and verify. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so see if your affirmations or your confirmations are right. If not, once you find that, hey, they're okay, uh, validate them, get them vetted, and then God's going to do that, but it's okay to have somebody who knows somebody who yeah. knows somebody. Yeah. And, and that, that has helped me. Um, and, uh, and so I just, I just strongly believe that that's needed. Yeah. Particularly if you're going to be a leader, Mike needs to have at least three guys that's right. that can say, it's not about noble warriors. We appreciate that. But it's, it's, you know, uh, Psalm 115, not unto us, oh Lord, not unto us, but unto mm -hmm. you. Yeah. See, it's not, a, it's not about us, but it's, it's about Mike and Mike's family. It's about Mike and his, his masculinity mm -hmm. instead of this toxic masculinity. I don't know what I'm reading that stuff. I'm yeah. like, man, where did they get this stuff from? That's crazy. That's another trick of the devil. You know, uh, men need men. And if men are too masculine, then we, we brand it. Yeah. And then if we get soft, we're branded. So I'm like, man, y'all need to stop all that stuff and be biblical. <laughs> right. That's right. I, I, that, I, that's where I, that's how I see it, man. I read an article the other day that said masculinity is not toxic, but sin is. And Absolutely. so that's, when, it, when, it, when it gets corrupted by sin, then you've got a problem. Well, you know, you yeah. mentioned Mike needs some guys. I've got guys that I meet with on Friday morning, and I don't call Amen. it a small group or I call it my wise guys. And, and that's, that's kind of comical, but man, I need the wisdom of some other guys in my life. And so, you know, my wife collects receipts for everything I spend. And so I, so I write on that receipt when I go to Panera on Friday morning, wise guys, and she knows, okay, yeah. he had a bagel and a cup of coffee with some guys who were sharing their wisdom and experience. Yeah. Yeah with each other and and boy we sure need that well listen i we could go on forever i just enjoy this i enjoy fellowship with you and i, I look forward to things kind of easing up so we can do some more ministry together because uh i mean you're you're living right down there in my home hometown area and um so i am looking forward to additional connections and ministry opportunities with pastor hill and um so I, I'm just thankful for your your ministry, for your encouragement, for your example, and um, I'll let you any final comments to the guys as we uh, shut things down here about the need for friendship. All right, guys. One of the things that I, I always say, um, um, uh, um, I, I lost the word. Uh, when you imitation, 
Yeah. Imitation is the greatest form of flattery. Uh, when you can imitate somebody, imitate the right stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's all right to look at somebody and say, I like what they're doing and then duplicate it. Amen. Uh, duplication is even better. And so I want to encourage all of our brothers to find themselves in a Bible verse. Right. You know, and I say my retirement verse is Second Timothy chapter two, verses one and two. And if I might throw in verse 15, that's me. Yeah. And when I saw this is me, these circles begin to, to come alive. Right. And I have somebody to pour into me and I pour into somebody else. And then now my son is a part of a guy that I'm pouring into. What joy that is. You can't, you can't, you know, I may not, the stuff that I always try to teach my son. Right. I know that some way, somehow my son's going to hear some of me. Right. The guy that I'm pouring into. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, that's so huge. It's, it's, that's important to, to seek the biblical principle. Find yourself there. Partner with somebody that you can covenant, whether it's John, Jonathan or Barnabas or Silas, you know, or Paul like or, uh, you know, even a Peter. Sometimes we need that bold brass. Yep. Yep. Uh, Cutting and cussing Peter. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> no part of it. But anyway, and so, yeah, and I want to encourage that, but all things by prayer. Yeah. And I grew up hearing this phrase all my life. It happens after prayer. That's right. It happens when praying, but also happens before praying because yeah. God says he already knows yep. what we need before we come to him. So that's my phrase. It happens after prayer, but, but Isaiah says, before you call, I've answered. So it happens while you're praying but it also happens before you pray. So, so seek prayer as your guidance to developing these relationships and then trust God and, and it, it, it'll come out. It'll That's work right. out the way it's supposed to. You know, we see a God, we serve a God who can see the end from the beginning. We're, we're caught in this trap of time, but he can see eternity past yeah. to eternity future. And so, um, yeah. so he's at work in all of that. Well, thank you, pastor. And, uh, just again, appreciate your time. Folks, this is going to bring to a conclusion episode 23 or 22. I'm sorry, the noble man prioritizes relationships specifically with other men. So tune in next week. We're going to be talking to the Noble Warriors board. I'm going to have my entire board on the call, and we're going to talk about the noble man serves in the kingdom. I'm going to ask my board members about what they're doing to serve in their churches and in ministries, including noble warriors to advance the kingdom because we believe that real men, noble men, serve the kingdom in a way that influences others and expands God's glory. All right, we'll talk to you later, men. God bless you.